everybody. Welcome to uh, another episode of Tuning Fork, where we just learned that there is a new Negative Land album coming out, and we're going to try to talk about something else instead of that. Uh, oh, I'm quietly losing my shit. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll just hold that for the entire episode, especially because this episode is going to be so heavily talking about samples. Yeah. Uh, I'm David. <laughs> I'm Matt. And we have a guest who really wanted to come on to talk about this album. It's, uh, I defend it with my life. Uh, hi, I'm Mace. Hey, Mace. We've known each other for a, a good bit now. Uh, I think we, we both kind of ran in the same Tumblr circles around the time that, uh, that this album came out back in 2009. Uh, what album are we talking about? We are talking about... We're talking about um, Physical Graffiti by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> no, we're talking about Meriwether Post Pavilion by Animal Collective. Oh, you don't remember the Led Zeppelin Tumblr community? God. I, I legitimately do. <laughs> the, I'm, I'm the glad we're talking about... We're talking about, a pre- <laughs> we're talking about a premier Baltimore venue today. Yeah, we are. We're talking about where Woodstock 50 is definitely being held. Yes. Good God. <laughs> no, it, it, it officially got canceled today. Oh, that was, that's the bit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is going to be kind of a long intro, I think. So uh, it, for our listeners, uh, it's kind of a big one for all three of us. Um, so I guess sorry in advance, but also not sorry. I was okay. just, I was, I was, I was going to pop open the, uh, the Animal Collective Meriwether Post Pavilion review on Pitchfork. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do we want to maybe talk about, uh, talk about the band first for anyone listening to this who for some reason doesn't know uh, anything about Animal Collective? Yeah, we can we can get into it a little bit. This is what what number album of, is this officially in their chronology? I like, I guess it it's the eighth. It depends on what you're counting, right? Yeah, you're counting yeah. as Animal Collective. If you don't, I think Holland Again is the the one that you may or may not count. Yeah, because it's a live album. I count Holland Again to y'all. I do. I yeah. like that album. I, and I, then like the uh, the Aviator and Panda Bear album and Campfire songs have both been reissued under the name Animal Collective at different times. Right. So like they count officially. Yeah. So Animal Collective is a band from Baltimore. They started, uh, I guess, in the late 90s, around 1999-ish. Um, they mm-hmm. released their first album, I think, in 2000. Um, and they're kind of, they started as kind of like a psychedelic folk band, I guess you could say. Um, and they really are kind of a collective as in they're a group of musicians who may or may not appear on any given album, especially towards the beginning of the discography. Yeah. And they all go by pseudonyms. Um, there is, um... No, this bit was just going to be ma- naming the members of Slipknot. Uh, there's Pandaberry, <laughs> Viter, Geologist, and Deacon. Yeah. yeah. And Deacon yeah. being, he, him being the one that rarely ever shows up, but when he shows up, it's a treat. He's not on this one. No, he's not. And you can and you can kind of tell because it, it is lacking the kind of stuff that really tells you that he's there, which is a lot more like guitar textures and stuff. Yeah. And a lot less like, no, no, would you... Would you say that this album does not have the Deacon aesthetic, but I feel like it kind of does? Like the the very crunchy, like, living in the woods kind of aesthetic? Sure, there's a little bit of that. I yeah. feel like half the tracks on this album sound like they're being played on a speaker that's about 20 feet away in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I can absolutely... Good. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, the mastering on this album is top-notch. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. I, I listened to this album three times today. 
Uh, I was only going to do two listens, but then I'm like, you know what? Let's do another one. And then when I finished my third one, I still had a bit of time before I got home. So I also just re-listened to My Girls and Brothers Sport again. Yeah. I wanted to talk about um, how each of us got into Animal Collective. Uh, For me, it was uh, I was still in high school and uh, my friend James, who joined us for the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy episode, um, shared a copy of Feels with me. And at the time, I didn't think much of it because I was super into, like, craft work at the time, which was, like, the complete opposite feel to to feels. Um, so, like, the psychedelic, acoustic, trippy stuff didn't really connect with me at the time. But when I started college in 2007, uh, Strawberry Jam came out and I was like, hey, you know, this this is a little bit more of, like, what I'm into right now. Like, I got hooked by Peacebone right away. And, like, I started pretty much joining the the Animal Collective hype train, which it was a big factor in why this album got so successful. Uh, for me, it was definitely the Lemon Demon forum share thread in which you shared Strawberry Jam by Animal Collective. Yeah. And also feels... Repeatedly? Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, for me, it was, weirdly enough, the Flaming Lips forum Slow Nerve Action that no longer exists, I don't think. Um, but they had like a thread there where Cliff Skurlock, uh, weirdly enough, was talking about Animal Collective. So I was like, you know, if Cliff's into it, I'll get into it. So I listened to Strawberry Jam, and uh, now I'm like this. Yep. Yeah. We, we're all like this now. <laughs> Both albums actually didn't really land with me right away. And I kind of just threw them into my study playlist because, like, when I heard the name Animal Collective, I'm like, this sounds like something that could go on my study playlist. Right. Like, my, my chill beats to study and work out and, <laughs> uh, and do homework, too. Yeah, lo-fi and, hip-hop uh, beats. I think it must have been one of the times that uh, Banshee Beat came on that I was just like, this fucking rules. Yeah, this is good, actually. Yeah, because it feels as like when they were basically they were put up they were put among like the freak folk genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is such a bullshit genre name <laughs> in the first place. Right. It seems offensive almost. Yeah, to well, call them freak folk. I mean, the word freak has a lot of connotations to it, which are not pleasant. Oh yeah, and they also didn't they attribute that to like Joanna Newsom as they well? Attri- yep, Joanna Newsom and Devendra Banhart were the other two like main people who were given that label, and to a lesser I mean, extent, uh, Vashti Bunyan. Yes. Oh, I love Vashti. I hope she's doing all right. Yeah. I I just, she released an album after 40 years. <laughs> she did. Right at, right after collaborating with Animal Collective. And it was good. And yeah, this if is, that doesn't show you their power, then I don't know what does. This is 100% not a, a show about um, Prospect Hummer, but Prospect Hummer was great. Hope she's still doing okay. Yeah, same. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the Pitchfork review, uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion got a nine point six, which is a Ooh. which is a dang good score if I if I do say so myself. I feel like the only thing that's released since that's gotten a higher score has been My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely the highest score of any of their albums. Yes. Yeah. This like yeah. Review... The only things the only things I think got close were like a couple. Of, I think a Kendrick album got nine point five, and that's the only thing that's gotten close. Right. I believe so. This album actually, if you, believe it or not, and this is something that we're all we can all kind of you know, class pants together about. It's a full eight points higher than Childish Gambino's Camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're it gonna is. have to do that album one day, aren't we? It is below 2.0, so it's below 2.0. It fits the qual. It fits the qualifications. Yeah. The uh, but yeah, the review was written by Mark Richardson. Um, I don't think we covered any of his reviews before. 
Um, I don't think so. But uh, there's a couple of uh, excerpts which kind of they stood out to me for various reasons. But um, one, one, he, he talks a lot about uh, just how confident they sound on this album. Um, yeah, they. He says they ooze confidence from every pore. Um, there's also a piece later which was a little bit ironic to me because it kind of describes uh, Pitchfork at the time, which was, uh, in recent years, some fantastic albums have turned a number of people off for being retreads, which has sparked some interesting discussions. Yeah, because yeah. like, P- Pitchfork will, will rate a follow-up that's just as good or even sometimes like better really low like when four it's points deemed lower. to be tre- yeah yeah when it's deemed yeah. to be treading the same ground right yeah almost as if it, it's kind of like rating the follow-up to let's say meriwether post pavilion giving that a 7.4 um uh, saying saying it sounds like a burrito splattered on a windshield uh, yeah if that were to happen that's what they would say yeah i've never seen that happen there's that's, also uh, uh, they, are there any particular excerpts that you'd want to that you want to read Oh, um, there's one bit here that I was reading in the second paragraph that says, since their, since their inception, Animal Collective have wandered the territorial edges of music, scoping out where boundaries had been erected and looking beyond them. They've punctuated perfectly likable indie rock songs with bleeding vocalizations. I just want to kind of point out how much I hate the fucking word bleeding in a movie, <laughs> in, like a, in a music review. It's... This is I not feel like, like it's it's, gen- it's generally used to describe either David Portner or Jeff Mangum. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just... the only places you're going to use those. Bleeding? Really? It, like, that's a kind of a, it's kind of a gross word. I think, well, it's like, it sounds really dismissive of their earlier work, which like, yeah. the last three albums before this all got over nine. Yeah. So, it's not like Animal, it's not like Pitchfork wasn't on the Animal Collective train before this. This this album uh, leaked about a month before its official release date. And uh, the, the official re- the official release date was like January sixth, so it was only like a week and a half. Oh yeah, it leaked yeah. on Christmas, didn't it? Yeah, because it leaked on Christmas Day of two thousand eight. Yeah, uh, what? How fucking beautiful! <laughs> oh my god, it was amazing. <laughs> me and Matt oh. were still uh, me and Matt were still deep in Lemon Demon forum times. Uh, yeah. Us and a couple of friends from there got on a group MSN Messenger chat and did a listening party. Um, <laughs> Which, at the time, what you had to do was effectively, you know, mash go, 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 go into the... <laughs> into yeah, the and all hit play at the box. same time. Yeah, and all hit play at the same time, and, like, as soon as In the Flower started, we all immediately were like, Album of the Year 2009, and... <laughs> and it was. Yeah. Um, m- the first time I ever heard it, it was on Christmas 2008. Um, do you remember that it was a vinyl rip? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it sounded like shit, if it I remember correctly. It sounded so bad. It Somebody sounded was like playing it on garbage. <laughs> do you do you know the, do you remember the name of that one guy who does the really good vinyl rips? He was like a Pibithal? A, yeah, Pibithal. He he wasn't really he he wasn't doing his stuff as much yet, I guess. Yeah. He mm. wasn't the this was this was before the period where people would send their rare vinyl to him to rip. Yep. It was it was the most garbage rip I'd ever heard, but geez, did it not affect me the very first time that I heard it. It was so it good. Was, I mean, the I one remember, the one thing you'll get from the vinyl rip that you're not going to get on a like a more traditional master is like the dynamics were probably a lot better than the CD. Yeah. Yeah. Do you? Um, well, no. 
Does anybody still have the 2008 vinyl rip just ha- kind of hanging around? Because I do want to revisit that one day. I definitely got rid of it. Yeah, I don't have it anymore. And I'm I'm sure uh, if you Google uh, if you Google Media Fire Animal Collective, uh, it's not going to show up anymore. It might no. still it might still be on my personal Media Fire account. I can have a look. <laughs> um, I, the very first time I listened to Meriwether Postavillian, I was at this. A uh, tourist trap in Miami called uh, Parrot Jungle Island, or as it's called, Jungle Island these days. It is a literal island on the way to Miami Beach where there are parrots. It is like a parrot zoo. Um, <laughs> sounds fucking sick. Yeah. It was fucking great. I put I put my fifth generation iPod, I synced it to my computer, I synced MPP to it, I went to Parrot Jungle Island with my parents, I told my parents to fuck off because I was 15 years old. And... Uh, <laughs> And basically, I just kind of walked around the zoo by myself, listening to Meriwether Post Pavilion, and I was not—I was never the same afterwards. That yeah. sounds like an experience. <laughs> I, I did a very similar. I, like sometimes you just have to have an experience like that with an album. Uh, one time, I took my CD player and my CD copy of Strawberry Jam, and put on like my biggest headphones and a winter coat, and just went and like walked outside at 3 a.m listening to Strawberry Jam on campus. Yeah. So see, you took a walk out in the light drizzle. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, when I, was in uni- when I was in university, I was suffering from heavy mental illness, as you could probably tell from that description. Yeah. 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 Shout out mental illness, all of us. Shout out. <laughs> I think my second listen to Meriwether Post Pavilion was just sitting in the Lazy Boy in front of the Christmas tree at my dad's house. That rolls. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, it came out on Christmas, so... That was, like, my my other Christmas present that year. The line in Daily Routine is, just a sec more in my boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, did either of you go to the the uh, the concerts on that on that tour when they toured this album? Mm-mm. I lived no. in Florida. I, yeah, I, I went to I was, the... Uh, I lived in Sudbury. So. I went to the, to the show uh, here in Minneapolis at First Avenue... Um, and of course, because it was 2009, uh, there was at least five or six people wearing face paint and headdresses, which was just Naturally. an unfortunate thing that happened at this time in, in hipster history. Um, I mean, that continued for a couple of years afterwards. When I saw them at uh, Pitchfork in 2011, yeah. I saw many a headdress. It was happening as recently as 2017 at Brooklyn Steel. That sucks. I, I, I yeah. hate to hear it. People do, <laughs> they do be like that. Yeah. People need to pepper spray them. Yeah. Uh, the, the opener was Grouper, who is fucking amazing, and everyone should listen to Grouper. Um, she did a great set, but the crowd was absolutely too hyped up to appreciate it and was not into yeah. her. Um, in Minneapolis, she did get to play her whole set, but in some cities I know she did get booed off the stage, which also sucks. Because um, yeah. people are shitty. Um, she and... got booed in Toronto, but I think she completed her set. Callie was at that show. Yeah. So I know because uh, Grouper sold her the uh, the Animal Collective T-shirt in the wrong size that I still have. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was doing the the merch stand for for Animal Collective. Uh, a mosh pit started during summertime clothes um, because that of was all the songs. That was the song. Yeah, looking to do back, that's weird. Um, that's very so, weird. So James <laughs> and I lost each other for the remainder of the show, but it was still good. That's that's my that's my concert story for this album. Um. My concert story for this album is actually not from this album, and it's from when I went to go see them in 2011 in Orlando, Florida. Uh, I drove four hours to see Animal Collective for the first time. Uh, I went with uh, my friend from Tumblr, Anthony, um, 
who some of you y'all may know as Octoplasm. Oh yeah, um, yeah. We went together. It was honestly like the time of our lives. Uh, they were there was a pit. They played Newtown uh, Newtown Burnout, Monkey Riches, and Brother Sport all in one like Ooh. like twenty minute block. And we almost died in that pit during <laughs> Brother Sport because we were just kind of like being thrown everywhere. That's, I think, the same sequence that they use on uh, the Live at 9.30 album, which is a really, oh, really good live yeah. recording. Mm-hmm. It's got one of my favorite versions of, uh, of Brother Sport on it. Uh, yeah, that's the same That's the same order they did them in at, uh, at Pitchfork, Pitchfork as well. Yeah. Because I remember that summer, the, the set lists were all the same, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yep. But yeah, it's a shame that I didn't get to see them on the Mary Rutherford's Pavilion tour because that was the same tour that they were playing a lot of What Would I Want Sky, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. like not not on this album itself, but on the EP that came out the same year, uh, Fall Be Kind, and like that that one kind of just like cemented their like their buzz status even more because yeah. it, it did really well for them. That those those songs did pretty well. Fall Be Kind did intensely well. That yeah. was that was kind of the peak, uh, I think. Like they're still really, really popular these days, but I think that was kind of like the absolute apex was like the very end of two thousand nine. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, I guess the the thing is just 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 like um, they were releasing albums at such a fast clip up until that point. Yeah. Like there was a relatively small. There was like a like a year and a half gap from when uh, Strawberry Jam came out. And less than that, because it was like, Strawberry Jam was like an October release, wasn't it? It was the start of it, September of 07. Yeah. Yeah, so not very, like, yeah, like a year, three months. Yeah. Yeah, they were doing their thing where they started playing songs on tour before the album came out. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, it was almost no lead time, because they had actually started playing Meriwether stuff at the beginning, not at the beginning of 07, but just during that Strawberry Jam tour. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember sitting on the Windows XP family computer in my dad's house and, uh, looking for those uh, those live uh, performances of those songs, like before they got their final names, um, like House. Yeah, House. Uh, my, my girls was called House. In the Flowers was called Dancer. Summertime Clothes was called Bear Hug. Um, and were these like in any way official names, or were they just names that fans yes. gave them? Oh, they, they were, were official. Okay. Yeah, they were on. They were, I think they came from the set lists. Okay. They did. Yeah, and I believe they're still referred to by those names by the band to this day. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder who made the decision to change the track names uh, for the album. I feel like it's. I feel like it, it might just be some of their like own personal weirdness. Things like like the lyric book for Strawberry Jam clearly not matching the actual sung lyrics. <laughs> Being true. completely wrong. I, I haven't looked at that different. in a while, but it is true. It's not correct at all. Cause I tried. Uh, I tried listening and following along once because there's points where I'm just like, I want to know what the hell they're saying here. Yeah. Like, Meriwether Post Pavilion is, like, as far as I can tell, like, the stuff on Genius matches up pretty much exactly, minus, mm-hmm. like, a couple of, like, overdubs that are missed, which I guess we'll get into a little bit once we're going track by track, but... Yeah. I think it was, um, actually Deacon's idea to change all the titles. <laughs> he wasn't in the band, but, you know, he's, he's a little sneaky. Yeah, they, they had a, <laughs> they had, like, an AIM conversation with Deacon, and he, they, they ran the names past him, and he was like, you know, not so sure about Bear Hug. <laughs> I think he just wa- he just wandered in like the Grinch, and instead of stealing presents, he just went and changed all the names on the computer. Yeah. Uh, do y'all remember the announcement video for Meriwether Post Pavilion? Not at all. I don't think so. So was it on basically YouTube? if you yeah if you went to no it was on myanimalhome.net so if you oh. went to their website they would actually have 
Um, it was like it would show you. Do you know the? Do you remember the the interior art to Meriwether Post Pavilion? That's like the the person swimming. Yeah, yeah. And it's at Meriwether Post Pavilion in like the thin, long Animal Collective font. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a video of basically. I have the videos sitting in like as unlisted on my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, one of them was a like a spinning top that faded into like a picture of the um, like a like a ocean or something, and then it went to somebody going, uh, "Where's that track list?" And it's a s- slow scroll down the track list from Meriwether Post Pavilion. It is iconic. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was, uh, I think, like a distorted video of a big mouth Billy bass. <laughs> That's it. That was it. It was weird, some weird shit. Um, I remember that very well because I was like, "Oh shit, it's lit." It is. Fuck, this is this is fucking art, man. This is what the real shit is. <laughs> that's what I thought. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's me present day. <laughs> Every day. Instead of saying sluggo is lit, I say animal collective is lit. <laughs> Every day, unprompted. Unprompted, animal collective <laughs> is lit. <laughs> My girls by animal collective is great. Check it out. <laughs> I mean <laughs> sound of the summer. Sound of the summer. <laughs> I mean, um, I did just, I just, I did just tweet today that after ten years, it still slaps. So it does. It genuinely slaps. There is other <laughs> stuff about each song that we can get into uh, as far as the leak goes, but I think we can save that for when we're going through uh, the track list. Yeah. So that being said, does do you, do you, either of you have anything else before we do that? Nope. Um. No, actually, no. Okay. <laughs> um. So then, I guess we're gonna start with "In the Flowers." So, like, this is the first thing you hear on this album. Like, as soon as you hear the opening of the song, you know this is going to be, like, a bigger album in scope than Strawberry Jam was, uh, like, both in terms of sound um, and in terms of, I guess, maybe accessibility? Yeah, because I believe doesn't Peace Bone start with, like, the the keyboard smash of, uh, of yeah. audio? It starts with somebody <laughs> saying Bonefish. Oh, yeah, Bonefish, and then immediately just kind of, like, pushes you almost into an Animal Collective song. Right. Mm-hmm. I remember that Peacebone actually started with um, that kind of like weird like gurgling sound. Yeah, that was like a like a bass effect live. Um, wish they did that on the album, but this isn't this isn't an episode about Strawberry Jam. It's about Meriwether right. Post Pavilion. Um, that song is always that sound at the beginning of In the Flowers has always reminded me of like water. <laughs> Yeah. It reminds me of the song Time to Pretend by MGMT. Oh my god. It's the same it fucking sound. Contemporaries, yeah, it's, you know. They're like still friends or something. Yeah, no, they all they all like kind of knew each other. And I yeah. think that that's pretty clear. This whole album they have a lot of co- there's a lot of co-influencing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this whole album is wet. It is soaked. <laughs> it is moist. It is, <laughs> it is a sopping wet album. Yeah. It is dripping. <sighs> um the, I love Animal Clifford's very wet album, Meriwether Post Pavilion. <laughs> um, so immediately after that, and this is probably going to be the first of like many discussions we have about this particular topic. The first sample we hear after that water sound 
is like some kind of like chanting. I have the sample somewhere on my hard drive, but it's like definitely like obscured. Yeah, you almost don't detect it. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's definitely some kind of like how would you how would you kind of like describe that? I don't even know if I can think of the sample off the top. It's like I feel like it was very obscured behind yeah, behind was, the keyboard and the reverb. It was definitely bigger live, but anyway. Uh, after that, uh, we get the best uh, chords I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, fucking like Twilight Zone sound and ass. <laughs> yeah, you you hear and, the uh, the vocal style that Avi Ter uses throughout the album here, um, which is like very kind of sweet and understated compared to what his what has been in like his bread and butter in the past albums. God, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't like screech at all on this one, does he? Barely. Mm, no, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, he sounds like uh, I'm in my kitchen with my avocados <laughs> and my bananas. To my kitchen. That's, That's the voice video. he's doing. <laughs> It is. And this is actually, I believe it's the last time A.V. ever really does this voice. Yeah, he he, he does it a little bit um, on uh, Meeting of the Waters, um, oh, which is uh, kind of uh, a more loosely recorded, um, kind of more quickly assembled uh, recording. Um, but yeah. So this song opens up with the line, met a dancer who is high in a field. And because it opens with that line, everyone insists on suggesting every single fucking line in this goddamn song is about drugs and it's not about weed you goddamn piece of shit stoner hey not just the song it's the entire fucking album that people think is about weed because yeah, i know it's, it's so infuriating like an animal collective song can be about not weed i mean this song definitely mentions someone who is high in the first line yes but I largely feel like this song is about alienation in a modern society and wanting to reconnect to more naturalistic roots. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's called In the Flowers, you fucking dummy. <laughs> and there's a, lot other, there's a lot of other evidence for that theme throughout the album as well. Oh, yeah, it's all over this album. There's like I mean, he's hun- even, he even says he feels envy in both the, 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 the lines at the start. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, unfortunately for this album... To your to your credit, Matt, there's also like a ton of lines in in the flowers alone that you could be like, oh, this is about weed, like um, leaving your body for the night. Yeah, it's just like stop. <laughs> uh, let me just read the genius annotation because it made me really fucking mad when I read it earlier. Okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna read it in my best voice. Okay, everything from this point are tenuous links at best, but it's this line which makes it impossible not to draw the conclusion of drugs. As psychedelics take their full effect, you can literally feel yourself fall out of your body, like your consciousness leaving your body. This is this in time with the musical explosion is just to me inalienable proof that it's about <laughs> drugs. And it's got. Did he mean to say uh, inalienable? Or indelible. It's indelible. It's got, I think is the word. It's got a negative for. six uh, as far as the score goes. <laughs> I'm just gonna pop a quick minus seven on that one. <laughs> and also, is the image under it is isn't that like the illustrations you see inside a Taco Bell? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Every I don't trust any of the notes, like any of the genius notes for any Animal Collective song, and no. this song in specific. Fuck this. Yeah. Yeah, it's so bad. Um, <sighs> it this it really just illustrates how good they are at layering uh like complementary loops over each other. 
because um, mm-hmm. even before you get to that point in the song where it kind of shifts, um, it just kind of keeps building and building on itself. Um, and they do, I think this is the first time that uh, I remember that they do this thing where they start the song at the slower pace and then have this sudden like upward shift in tempo and mood about halfway through. And then they shift it back down again. Yeah. Yeah. They go back to the verse to end the song there, which I thought was really cool. You know, just like drugs. Yeah. <laughs> but just... like, yeah, the pre-chor- the pre-chorus and, po- and chorus really like strengthen my reading a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No more missing you while I'm gone. Like, we will recognize nothing's wrong, and I wouldn't be so selfish. I won't be this way very long. Um, can I just be be on record as saying that the, like, the drop in this song is the greatest drop I've ever heard in my entire life? It <laughs> is among my favorite drops. There's another really good um, one in the song Graze off of Fall Be Kind. That's, oh, the, other, yeah. that's the other one I was thinking of. You mean Pamphlet but, Jam? Yeah, Pamphlet <laughs> Jam, Jam 09. Or yeah, Grace? It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it would have to be in my top three favorite drops, um, along with um, "Dance Yourself Clean." Ooh, yeah, that's and a good one. Um, and the Wham City, uh, the latter <laughs> half of Wham City, when they go oh, to yeah. like when they go to the vocal only part. Yeah, and oh. then right after that, when they go back into the instruments. Yeah. See, I thought you meant the one at the beginning of like basically what is considered Wham City Part Two, where he just drops the like the the break beat. I mean, that too. The thing is, that song's really good. Yeah, all of it's incredible. Um, We'll get to that album as as well, eventually. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if I'd want to do Spider-Man of the Rings or Bromst first. They're both important for different reasons. They are. Um, This is a great song. I love In the Flowers. Um, I wish I could go back to the first time I ever heard it. Yeah, I wish wish that actually this this was the first song that I heard from this album. Um, Yeah. Because it really... It, it's it belongs in this in this spot to me in in the album. Oh yeah, yeah. wait. Th- this album has a perfect opener and closer, like both sonically and thematically. It's oh gosh, wild. Yeah, it's wild how good they are as openers and closers. Wait, what was the first song you ever heard from this album? Are you talking like the live songs? Or are you talking about the album album? Um, well, like the the my f- girls and brother sport were both singles, right? Uh, no, they came. Well, they came after. Brother Sport oh, got leaked um, before yeah, the album came and, out. Right. Okay. And Ed just went to prison for like seventy <laughs> years because he posted the MP3 on his blog. Yeah. God. Remember when he, blogs just posted MP3s? Yeah. Yeah. What a fucking time. Remember the Deer Hunter blog? Because I do. I have everything from the Deer Hunter blog because I downloaded it all before it went down. Same. Isn't that where the the bedroom <laughs> databanks got released? Yeah. yeah, those were so good. Yeah, those were his walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Speaking of that, should we go into uh, my girls? <laughs> Niñas, my girls. Yeah. So this is um, this is the first uh, this is the first panda bear written song of the album. He 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 gets his chance to shine. Were the girls his daughters? Uh, daughter and wife, I think, was the implication. Mm. This song to me is like the perfect encapsulation of the uh, the two thousand nine like indie tronic sound. 
Like I can I can see the the triangles and the space cats like on the inside of my retinas when I listen oh, to this song. <laughs> I, I remember that I used to hate this song because it was that the embodiment yeah. of that. Yeah. And like I would I would I was the first person to be like, "Oh, play my girls, play my girls." But <laughs> also this song slaps? It does. It is really good. It's the perfect song for pumping up the crowd at their shows. Yeah, and I'm like, no, I'm really sorry about your dad, but this song slaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's got, uh, throughout it, it's got, like, the repeated arpeggio um, that just kind of ties everything together. Um, it's got that, it's, again, this is a very wet song. It's got the splashing water <laughs> loop in the background, which isn't something yeah. you notice, really, but... The song would be a lot sparser sounding without it. Um, and also, this song, despite it not apparently being a sample, sounds amazingly like uh, Your Love by Frankie Knuckles. Uh-huh. Like, it is like an absolutely stunning comparison and also makes for great mashup fodder. Yeah. I am genuinely surprised that it is not a sample. Yeah, like when, when that one was like debunked, I was genuinely like amazed. It's like when they when when people figured out that Comfy and Nautica didn't sample the Acura soundtrack. <laughs> I, I was just like, "What?" But it sounds the same. <laughs> I, I recently looked through the the sample list um, from the album Replica by One of Tricks Point Never, and there's some crazy shit in that. In that oh album. yeah, oh yeah. Our, our boy Dan I mean, yeah, loves one his, o, one uh, tricks... his commercials. Yeah. <laughs> One of Tricks basically counts as Plunderphonics. Yeah. Yeah. Like Especially that album. Mm-hmm. Um Noah's obviously taking advantage of everything he learned from recording uh person pitch here. Um like he uh he he did a bit of writing on that uh as well about like wanting a good life for his family. Mm-hmm. I think and my the, favorites he, he does oh, his God. own background vocals on this, right? Like he's the only one singing on this track? No, that's Avi in the back. It is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. You, you at can least, only kind that, of tell a... because it's like it's it's meshed together so well. But yeah, well, it also kind of just sounds like he's doing panda bear voice. <laughs> yeah, it's it is Mister Tear. Yeah, um, one of my favorite songs on Person Pitch. Well, all of my favorite songs on per- Person Pitch uh, are about. This is a running joke over at Collected Animals, the, the Animal Collective fan forum. Still going, still going strong. Um... This is that every, apparently every Noah song th- uh, that is given to Animal Collective, or honestly, even any Panda Bear song, is about Noah leaving the band. Um, <laughs> and it's very funny to imagine this one and Bros as like yeah. him leaving the band. Yeah. <laughs> like the "Hey man, what's your problem?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't you know I don't belong to you, Av Tear. <laughs> <laughs> So the running joke is that Noah hates the rest of Animal Collective, and I choose to believe that. <laughs> yeah, that's, whereas, that's why he whereas, moved to Portugal, to get away from them. Whereas, whereas A.V. Tear later in the album refers to the other members of Animal Collective as his best friends. Yeah. <laughs> his three umbrellas, as, yeah. you, as you will. Yeah. And yeah, he sure says he's on my father's grave a bunch of times in a row, huh? He does. And then, yeah, okay, the one line in, in this that, that people always kind of, like, balked at is... I don't mean to seem like I care about material things like a social status. And it literally took me until today to understand the grammar of that line. Yeah, it's <laughs> because not I thought he was obvious. Yeah, was I thought he was calling 
a social status a material thing, but it's no, it's it's the caring about the so about material things that's part of a social status. Oh and shit! So he's, I'm realizing he's not on air. Yeah, he's just not. He's not just. He's not a. He, he wants useful things like four walls and Adobe slats for his girls. And Adobe Adobe like house shaping is very popular in Portugal. Yeah, it's just like it's like primary construction material for a lot of parts of Lisbon where he lives. Yeah, um, which like that part thing... was obvious, but yeah, no, like the the grammar of the line doesn't make any sense, but the intention is now clear to me. It only took me ten fucking years. <laughs> One thing about this chorus that I absolutely love and that's still funny to me is replacing Adobe Slats with Adobe Creative Suite. It is genuinely <laughs> still extremely funny. Adobe Suite for my PC. <laughs> um, I I just. I love this song. It is so pure. It is so good live. Um, it's just, it's a good song about raising your kids and raising, just hanging out with your family. And there are a ton of songs about that on here. Yeah. This whole album, this whole album is like, every every Noah song is about either his family or about cranking it. <laughs> uh, he was he was obsessed with cranking it in um, 2004 through 2009. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, and yeah, well, uh, the, the lyric, there's not much to go over on the lyrics, because so, yeah. it's, yeah. it's very repetitive, a lot of overdubbing of uh, the lyrics, so like the, the background vocals, um, which I'm now learning are AV tear background vocals, Yeah, and then just a lot of lines looping over each other. Sonically, the song is like perfect sounding. The, the like kind of arpeggio that goes on in the background kind of fades in and out yeah. uh, along with the other instruments, which I find really cool. Even so, like, uh, cut- even like on FM radio, when I was like listening to this song when it was being played like on my college radio station, it still sounded good. Yeah, like this song, this song, this song manages to sound good even like in a really compressed band, um, which is something that's not true of all Animal Collective like tracks. Yeah. I think yeah. this album as a whole is mastered in a way that sounds good on pretty much any audio system uh, because Rusty Santos is a genius. Well, no, this was Ben Allen. This was a Ben Allen one. Bella Ben Allen did a uh, Halcyon Digest. Um, oh, okay. yeah, okay, yeah, 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 I am seeing that now. It does say Ben Allen. Yeah. Um, one thing I think that a, sometimes like an, an idea will carry over from an Animal Collective album to a solo album, and you know, kind of vice versa. Like all, like how all the Hocketing stuff from uh, Grim Reaper carried over to Painting with. Yeah. Um, basically, I feel like some of the DNA from My Girls carried over to Surfer's Hymn. It wasn't mm. as effective, but it still worked. Yeah. I, I, At least with the arpeggio. I listened to Tomboy a lot more before the album came out, um, mm-hmm. like as the singles uh, trickled in, because almost mm. all the songs got released as singles before the album came out. Yeah. And with completely uh, different mixing and mastering. Yeah. Yeah. Which, it was a completely agonizing 2010, if you guys remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which made the album that much weirder to listen to because I like heard all these songs and now they're all different. <laughs> but yeah, it was a, it was a, I think they share kind of like similar DNA at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, let's move into Also Frightened. Oh. Is there a way till the dawn where we won't fret that they don't have our eyes? The ghosts came crowding around, but I hope you slept there on your side. From our window to lanterns, draw signs on the night, and light our two shadows. 
Are you also frightened? Are you? This this is the only song on here which I'm not sure, based on the lyrics and the style of it, I guess, whether this was written by A.V. Tear or by Panda Bear. Does A.V. Tear have... A.V. Tear doesn't have kids, right? No. That we know of. Yeah, and this song very much is about raising children. Um, I feel like it is like an A.V. Terror uh, thing. Yeah. Because I, I, I genuinely, this is, has the My Girls effect where I can't really tell who's on lead on this one. A.V. Terror does tend to, like, get really into, uh, like, writing the complex lyrics. Um, and that's definitely a thing uh, in this song. Mm-hmm. As, as compared to, like, the rest of uh, Panda Bear's songs on this album... There's a lot, it's a lot denser seeming to me. Yeah, I, like Panda Bear's lyrics are like, you know, you know, the cow says moo, and A.V. Terra's <laughs> like, call me Ishmael. Panda I Bear's feel like, I lyrics feel like are just they're... saying cow tits over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like both their DNA is still on this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the uh, again, never trust the genius annotations, but they do they do seem to suggest a lot more Noah. But then again, on a later track that is very clearly an AV Terra track, they also think it's Noah, so I don't think they're very smart. No, they're not. Yeah. Um, one thing is, like, the excited and screaming until their voices grow wild. All that, very AV Terra, and also just very reminds me of uh, the opening parts of Banshee Beat. Just, oh, like, yeah. really naturalistic kind of, uh, like, childlike wonder stuff going on there. Yeah. Uh, can I ask a, a does anybody else question? Um, the line in the first verse, it's like, let them crawl into the logs, the damn brown jeans, the hue of their path. Did anybody else thought, think it said Dan Brown for a little while? <laughs> Was that just me? I, I think maybe subconsciously I did. I never really <laughs> listened to the to the words of this song or even this whole album too closely for the first couple of years. I'm going to be real. I did not know most of the words to this song. <laughs> Yeah, me either. Like and today. it's been ten years. <laughs> I still, I but still yeah. sing along to it incorrectly, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like the one of the big lines in this song, like the defining couplet is, "Will I want them to be who will who they will be, or to be more like their dad?" So like that whole like the concept of raising a child and not knowing exactly how much you should steer them, and then it and it gets to the point where it's maybe we should maybe I should let them maybe we should let them and I have a question: Are you also frightened? Because what the fuck is more frightening than like bringing a person into the world and having them develop into a person uh, under, yeah, under exactly. your responsibility? <laughs> under your responsibility specifically, yeah. Like it's a it's a it's a pretty strong song, especially because yeah. like are you also frightened is repeated like eight times. <laughs> I I wondered uh, now that we're three songs deep um, if the watery kind of sound of this album. Um, how much of that uh, directly carried over into the album Down There by A.V. Tear. Um, like, if he was still kind of, like, on the same, like, wavelength as far as how he wanted the songs to sound. So I feel yeah. like you could, you, could conv- you could consider, like, Meriwether Post Pavilion, Tomboy, and Down There to almost be in, like, the same parcel. Yeah. yeah. In, in the also- way that they're made. The same year that Down There came out, I believe, there was a Kriya Brecken single called Uterus Water that was very also watery. Yeah, so was, that was yeah, it was 2010, so same year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that exists. They all kind of exist in the same universe mm-hmm. in the uh, ACU. <laughs> this this is when uh, this is when the two of them were still uh, married, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we don't know. 
Yeah, fair. yeah. Like I think as far as like is officially known, they broke up somewhere around here. Yeah, like it was like somewhere in two thousand nine or two thousand ten, probably. Yeah, yeah. A- but like after, they're very private. After... They're private people, which is fair. After she was and... fully credited as like a member of the band on Feels two albums ago. Yeah, and I think as recently as like I I saw her name in the credits for Odd Sack. Um, oh sure. Okay. So I think as recently as like Centipede Hurts, maybe she was like working with them. So maybe things well, were yeah, all right. Well, yeah, she was. She was still putting things on paw tracks after like they're said to have broken up. So yeah, I, th- yeah. I feel like they they still maintain like a professional relationship, and there's probably less bad blood than is thought. It might have just been like I think like there's a lot of people project a lot. Yeah. Um, especially like when it comes to people of like kind of this genre. Because now I'm just mm-hmm. thinking of like Joanna Newsom breaking up with Bill Callahan and how much people were total <laughs> freaks about that. Right. And just oh, any, that was weird. Any indie musician, they're gonna like look into wh- who they're in a relationship with at any given time. You know mm-hmm. the the whole <laughs> the whole cult of personality that existed for like a year between uh, like Waves and Best Coast. Yeah. <laughs> then, like, or like when Ben Jabard was dating Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Oh exactly. God. Did I just throw you into the past with that line? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I I feel old. Yeah. You just got hucked th- straight into ten years ago. Um. Let's, yeah. Let's waves and Best Coast. She and him. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wa- waves and Best Coast had a had a budding friendship in 2010, and now in nearly 2020, the only friend that Waves has is his properties. <laughs> We we will get a waves as a landlord joke on every single episode we do. <laughs> we have. We've to. done it more than once already. It it helps that my my Twitter handle is a is a waves reference. <laughs> uh, do you think that he sees that sometimes and he's like, oh, I've got my fan. No. <laughs> <laughs> He he did uh, he did tweet at me once and he was like, wow, there's a lot of people on Twitter with waves uh, handles or whatever. Um, yeah, and there's a ton of people who need homes. Yep. <laughs> he he's gonna want you to pay rent on the name. <laughs> I, I, Just pay I, a monthly I have stipend. I, I have the the full copyright. Like it got notarized and everything. I I own Dave's dot Twitter dot dot biz. Um. <laughs> As far as also frightened goes, just because we got a little bit off topic there talking about uh, Landlord Williams, um, uh, the song has one of my favorite harmonies on the album on it. Um, it's obvious at this point that Dave and, and Noah are really, really experienced, like complimenting each other's voices mm-hmm. with with it seems like almost effortlessly. Well, yeah, they they like switch up the harmony on like the eight different also frightens. Yeah, yeah. Like they'll they'll trade which one's doing the higher, they'll they'll go up, they'll go back down. Like they have like a whole sequence there. If you notice when you wa- when you see Animal Collective live, pay attention to Noah and Dave because they're always like, if you notice, they're like talking to each other in their weird made up language. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I remember I remember this from, from sometimes they'll their scream shows. at each other. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they'll just and be I... like what or huh, or sit. <laughs> And that's how you know they're like they're communicating to get to one part of the song from one part of the song to another. I knew, I know they do it during Brothers War where they have that like yell off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think part of that is why um, Avi Ter had those like bouts of laryngitis for like most of 2012. 
Well, yeah, he had to cancel the Toronto show that I was going to go to, and they rescheduled it for the middle of the summer, which meant I couldn't go to it because I was working full time. Uh-huh. And then apparently that show sucked total ass. Uh, he should have taken some some lessons from some 2009 metalcore singers. <laughs> they should have taken some lessons from Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's their 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 Canadian concierge. Of course. Yeah. They should have taken lessons from I mean she lives she lives in Las Vegas, but Oh, that's fine. <laughs> should have taken lessons from Kevin Drew? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> A little bit of Canada follows Celine wherever she goes. Drake? Uh-huh. Help me out here. Uh, Emily Feist? Uh, it's Leslie Feist. Leslie and Emily, Feist. And, and Emily, Emily Haynes. There we go. I was getting them both confused. It's yeah. very hot in here. <laughs> uh, Mike Myers from Austin Powers Gold Member? Specifically? Yeah, specifically. Mike Myers uh, specifically from The Love Guru? <laughs> uh, so, summertime clothes. I did my th- I did my third listen to this so- uh, this album today while walking around outside. And can you guess what I was wearing? Summertime clothes. I was wearing my summertime clothes, baby. Hopefully, you were wearing clothes outside. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I probably would have been more comfortable if I wasn't. It's very hot. Yeah, it's really um, this situation in here. I'm wearing my summertime clothes right now, and I'm sweating through all of them. Um, I thankfully I- live somewhere with very good air conditioning, so I'm doing great right now. The, the main house has air conditioning. This room does not. Oh, God. Uh, That's unfortunate. Um, summertime clothes. I also listened to this album today while walking around. I was at Universal Studios just kind of, like, taking it in. Um, and Summertime Clothes is... I thought it was a bad song in 2009. And I think it's an okay song now. Yeah. I really like it. It's, it's also it's an very... okay song to me. But, yeah, I understand definitely why it's... Why it, Got to be one of the standouts from this album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it absolutely, like, it basically fetishizes hippie wanderlust. It does. Yeah. Like, that's its whole thing. But, like, I really like that kind of sentiment because it's basically just, like, everything's stifling. Let's just go do something. Yeah. Point out the parks. We're going to go, like, dance dance past the cars and listen to the music coming out of the cars. This is also the wettest song on the album. <laughs> yeah, like, but wettest as in sweatiest. Yeah. Well, it's sweaty, but also, like, the synth sounds like it's being played through a, a shallow puddle. The, uh, that one? Or the, yes. the arpeggios, too. The, oh yeah. <laughs> we could totally ding, cover that. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Like it sounds like those speakers are underwater. Yeah, yeah it does. The, and the, so do uh, his vocals. He sounds like he's gurgling through a glass of water. He does. Oh yeah. It's kind of the down there effect. Yeah, that is the down there effect right there. Yep. That's the first place we heard that. It's the lyrics basically turn this. It almost into like a twee pop song. Um, and oh yeah, like if you did the, if you did this song with like with a ukulele, then like Pomplamoose would have covered it. Yeah. Oh, you know it's been done with a ukulele. Though. Let me check YouTube. Beat happening could have done this song, um, and it seems almost the least like an Animal Collective song to me out of all of these out of the whole track list. Because any 
any artist, it seems like almost any artist at the time with this similar genre could have made this song. Yeah. yeah. That tracks. It's like this could be a Yaysayer song. Yeah, for sure. Or an MGMT song. You know, Yaysayer's still uh, still putting stuff out? Yeah. I need to catch back yeah. up with them. They're doing all right. I mean, it's not like Ambling Amp good, Ambling Alp good, but it's uh, like all God, right. that song is so good. <laughs> I, I got a copy of Odd Blood for for Christmas this past year, and I've been I've been spinning that. Ooh, Odd Blood's still a good album. So is All Our Symbols. Yeah. Do you? Can we talk about how like the amount of bands that came out of like 2007 through 2009 that were basically just Animal Collective? <laughs> yeah. It's, there's actually like a. It's really there's a um, an article that Pitchfork put out earlier this year on the 10 year anniversary that was like. Animal Collective's Meriwether Post Pavilion was radical enough to redefine indie music. Why didn't it? Right. <laughs> so it's basically like so much around this time was basically just trying to be Animal Collective, but it's not like a lasting influence. Like it didn't seem like the Animal Collective effect went anywhere past Centipede Hertz release. No, because everybody got so scared of Centipede Hertz. Yeah. Um, of, Centipede got... Her- of Centipede Hertzing themselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, that they decline to reach their full potential which is centipede hurting yourself yeah the the couple of like imitation bands like maybe they started before but they definitely like tried to put out an animal collective album i i can think of a couple just off the top of my head like akron family or uh blind man's color or uh danielson um yeah this is like i am being hurled into the past with some of these names <laughs> yeah did do you guys remember um the song sunday by custom kings it sounds exactly like bros no i don't remember that song is it I'll, good uh no it's not um <laughs> they're <laughs> they're an australian band that they're they're um their song sunday basically copies word for word not word for word but like melody for melody you know you know what i mean right yeah. uh, the hey man what's your problem section of bro wow it is a uh, bad <laughs> but yeah like uh, if you're trying to like think of music uh, of, of like indie music as like a as a whole this almost seems like it would have been like the last time that that would be useful right because yeah. it like became really it became a lot more fractured after this yes 100 percent it seems like, like we got essentially about 10 this, new genres after this. <laughs> yeah, it's like this This kind of morphed into a lot of people, like Chill Wave essentially comes out of sounding like Animal Collective and sounding like the 80s at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like what, like, then, then it's, then that's when Pitchfork started covering more pop music. And then now it's like this the standable artists are the are the are the indie pop acts of the day, which I'm not necessarily saying is a bad thing. I'm a plenty of fan of pop music. Oh but yeah. It's like it's a completely different environment. Yeah. Also, however, before that, you're forgetting the most important part and the part I miss the most, altered zones. Oh. Oh man. <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a while. <laughs> oh man. That whole week where AV Tear curated Altered Zones yeah. was the best week of my life. I learned so much. I'm so sad about Altered Zones, and I still am 10 years later. It's wild how many of those blogs from those days are actually still around, and how few are at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like, like... Coke Machine Go Glow is gone. Nobody cares about tiny mixtapes anymore. I'm sure they're still around. Oh, yeah. Um, they are. Brooklyn Vegan's still around. They follow me on Twitter now. Oh, nice. yeah. BV is still, like, decent. Yeah. I had a They are um, they are still called Brooklyn Vegan though. Yeah. Is there is okay, is there a guy named the Brooklyn Vegan or is it just like did it used to be a website for vegans who lived in Brooklyn? 
I don't know. I just, Brooklyn Vegan's a music website, and that's all I've ever known it as. Um, they, I actually had a, um, a moment akin to, do you remember that, that hipster runoff article that was like, you know, the future of indie? Yes, actually, I do remember that. I had a very forlorn moment in the car the other day while driving, um, to my partner's job. She, uh, works at, like, a very, a media company, I'll say that. Mm -hmm. Um... And I was in the car and driving to, like, get her something that she forgot at home. And I was listening to a re-record of, um, of the Carl show on Sirius XMU. And it was just, like, I felt like a pang of forlorn, like, sadness for indie of, like, 2010. Yeah. It's just, like, I don't know. It's, it's a bad feeling. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thing that you could say that's a definite advantage is that indie of 2010 was really fucking white. It's true. Yeah, it sure was. It was very white and very dude. And, <laughs> yeah. Like, Pitchfork's expansion into rap and hip-hop, and while that's not necessarily, like, good writing, was at least, like, you know, a conscious choice to diversify their, their like, over a little bit. Oh, precisely. It was very, like... It, it it was a good move, even though people are like, oh, Pitchfork is, like, bad for, like, for just covering more than indie these days. You know, they sold out. No, they just diversified. Yeah. However, they did sell sell out with their stupid-ass beer website. Yeah. And the <laughs> fucking uh, J- JPEG Mafia at Pitchfork Fest this year kept shouting out Condé Nast, <laughs> which is really fucking funny. <laughs> oh. So shout out to JPEG Mafia. We were talking about summertime clothes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really have anything else to say about summertime clothes. Nope. It's a song. It sure is a song. Uh, I actually really like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next, yeah. next, we move into uh, another another panda bear joint daily routine. <laughs> this this song is my son. Um, it is a beautiful song about taking care of your your kid. Yeah. Uh, and then it turns into basically like a dreamscape. Would you say at the end? Yeah, it's got a really kind of. It, it's got a similar structure to the song "Chores" from the previous album. Mm, yeah. The song could have been on this on on Strawberry Jam, just based yeah. on the way it sounds. It's kind of a nice I, palate cleanser after summertime clothes. The the, yeah. wet, the wettest possible song. <laughs> this song is like drier. Yeah, it's like it's like a nice breath mint. Yeah, Matt, what do you think? I don't particularly care for daily routine. I just think it's too long. Like it's like the second longest track on the album. It feels a lot more like you're at their live show when you're listening to this song. Yeah, yeah I think like the outro. It's like I, I get I get what they're going for with it, but it's too long. Yeah. Um, but it does is... it does very much uh, as someone who's currently unemployed and finds it really hard to like wake up in the morning um, the kind of stretched out feeling of just a sec more in my bed hope my machine's working right and like the fact that I get like really 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 vivid dreams in the morning that make it really hard to discern what reality is mm-hmm. um, I can really really like feel that feeling but I don't want to 
And so <laughs> I don't want to hear the song. Yeah. I have two quick things to add about this song. Um, one of them is I'm going to basically, I'm going to lay the groundwork for um, the concept that I'm going to introduce later on in this album. Um, my By my machine, he means his penis. Um, <laughs> and also the second... Um, by the second half of the song, there is actually a live recording. I can't remember, I can't remember where it is these days. I think it might still be on YouTube, but I can't find a link or anything. This is just kind of emblematic of how big Animal Collective were in 2009, 2010. Um, there is a recording of Daily Routine where people are trying to crowd Noah's sampler while he's trying to play the song. And sometimes he can do those or whoop during the, during the song Instead, he yells, fuck off. <laughs> nice. He literally just goes, fuck off! And people just, like, back off. And I have never seen Noah Lennox that angry in his life. <laughs> God. Uh, I, w- like, I, went to they're, a, they're, I went to a like Dan Deacon kind of- show um, where he opened for Girl Talk. So, obviously, it was, like, a ridiculously huge crowd. And uh, people were getting, like, super rowdy. And he, he had to end the show early because, like... People were throwing water bottles onto his electronics. When uh, when Dan Deacon played in Toronto, someone stole his trippy green skull. Oh yeah, that, that was a whole thing. Yeah, it it showed up in the mail like a year and a half later. <laughs> oh good. So he did eventually get it back. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like like the guys in the band. Well, despite the fact that like they're talking about this whole album oozing confidence, this whole album's about anxiety, and these are all like four clearly really introverted guys. Yeah, whose best just- friends are all each other. I can't imagine some of the live shows were very fun for them. No. Yeah. For sure. I actually, in 2013, during the Centipede Hearts tour, the part where they had, part of the tour where they had the big, like, inflatable mouth. Do you guys remember that? Yes. Yep. I do um, remember the mouth. They had the big inflatable mouth, and people, by the end, when they started doing, like, the encores, like, Purple Bottle and My Girls, they mm-hmm. would get get up on stage, and tr- one of them tried to steal Deacon's notebook. Jesus. This is yeah, a thing. That's, that sounds like Animal Collective fans. This is like a, th- a thing that happens repeatedly. Somebody stole Deacon's Notebook that show. In 2014, I went to um, A.V. Terran Bjorn Copeland show where somebody stole A.V.'s Notebook. And as recently as last year, when they started performing the new songs that are coming out on their next album, which hopefully will come out in the next year or so, um, somebody stole A.V.'s Notebook there, but instead of, like, just being quiet about it and disappearing into the night, was a dick on Reddit about it for, like, a month. Well, they're just like, I stole the notebook. <laughs> yeah. He was, like, defending it. Like, you know what? It was on stage. It was there for me to steal. <laughs> just carry, like, why just can't, carry why Dave can't they Portner just... away on your shoulder and be like, this is, this, he is mine now. I found this man. He fit in my it, car. It's like the, it's the fucking Nedroid comic where it's like, you made this? I made this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, it just, if you're gonna take something like that, just make a full scan of it and then give it back to them. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, have have the fruits of your spoils and then fucking give it back. Just bring your fucking flatbed scanner to the Animal Collective show and <laughs> scan the whole notebook. Yeah, bring Just your, take a bunch of pictures with your phone. PC. You can do that. <laughs> like, take a picture of every page with your phone. Who gives a shit? Yeah. I feel like I never saw anybody do that at any of the shows in Minneapolis, just probably because, like, even if people wanted to do it here, they're a little bit too reserved for that. Like, people barely even dance here at shows. There there are fan bases where it gets as bad or worse than that. 
I just remember the story of the They Might Be Giants fan that stole one of John Linnell's coffee cups out of a garbage can. What? Oh my god. Just, like, stole a coffee cup that he'd used out of a garbage can. Hold on, you gotta finish the story. Welcome to Giants Confirmed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's there's nothing else to it. They're just a weird person. Oh, never mind then. (laughs) They made a wiki article for the cup on TMBW, and it's it's rated as the 86th most popular song. John they, they do have cup. a whole they do have a whole tag for songs that have coffee mentions in them yeah they famously oh, love wiki. coffee uh let's move on um after daily the machine routine, is his penis the, the machine is his penis i get it let's go <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh after daily routine comes bluish Man, this is th- bluish is a perfect setup for like it's a good one-two punch for the next song. Yeah, um, bluish is also very much a song that I can imagine like a twee indie person covering on a ukulele. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, those two songs on this album to me are the most. That They're the tweeest. Yeah, it's um, it's an Av Tear love song. It's it's really reminiscent of feels to me. Um, yes, it mm-hmm. seems like kind of a mix of. Uh, like Flesh Canoe and The Purple Bottle, um, but it's kind of a little bit flatter, maybe, than those two songs. So it's a it's a mix of the song about the vagina and the song about the penis. Correct. Got it. Yes. So I, it's a song about fucking. I was basically, I was taken, a, taken aback when I found out Flesh Canoe was about Noah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not taken aback, just kind of like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but like, it's, you called it Flesh Canoe. You did. Yeah. It's evocative. <laughs> there's there's talking about being naked in the mirror of the bathroom in that song. It's uh Animal Clothes is hornier than we think, y'all. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um And MPP is peak horny for them. Yeah. It really is, eh? This this <laughs> this song is AV Terror just obsessing over little little things about the person that he loves, you know. There's it's it, it gets back into water into watery town. There's, oh, yeah. like, there's that watery kind of snap sound effect that keeps happening, and I swear mm-hmm. that I've heard that so- that sample in tons of other bands in this era. Yeah. The kind of this... wah, 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 in the background. This song is, like, wet, but in the horny way, but also, yeah. like, wet in the water way. <laughs> yeah. It's very it's very much like a puppy love kind of song. Yes, the way sure. that it's The way that it's, that it's, uh, that it's built. It and is... also, I just want to make a note. It's so hard for me only to get the urge to kiss you there. Quote, <laughs> Jon Snow in Game of Thrones to Igret in the cave. It's about eating pussy. <laughs> Thank you. Jon Snow got uh, lost in her curls. It fucking fits. Yeah. Uh, A.V. Tear wrote this about Game of Thrones. Yeah. Two years Fully- before the show premiered. Yeah, way, like, so early before. Um, I like this song. Uh, it's never been played live. That's a, that's a cool tidbit, mostly because AV says, uh, quote unquote, we lost a cable that we needed to play it. (laughs) Come on. That's Dave. Just say you don't want to play the song about eating pussy live. (laughs) 
Just like say it. Or like you don't want to play the song that's about your ex-wife. Yeah. Yeah. Just I mean he plays the other songs that are about his ex-wife, so I guess that wouldn't really fly. The whole song, song... was on one mini disc and they lost the mini disc. <laughs> It was it was like Food Fight. The masters got stolen. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, the song is ve- a very good like bookend to the whole um, the whole pull hair rabbi uh, era, though. Mm-hmm. It does feel like where that partnership would have gone eventually, but you know, didn't get to see it. Yeah, you hate to hear it. Yeah, and then the, the title is just at after after like the last lines of the song talking about the not exactly blue eyeshadow. Mm-hmm. They don't actually say bluish though. No. no, it's just implied, like the pussy eating. I mean, it's not implied. It's very much like heavily. It's very heavy handed. Heavy tongued. <laughs> heavy tongued. It's very heavy tongued. The next song, however, is very heavy handed. <laughs> <laughs> That, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, we talking um, guys' eyes. my god noah lennox jack off anthem <laughs> famously referred to god so let me just translate the lines i really want to do just what my body wants to i want to jerk off <laughs> i really want to do what my body needs to i want to jerk off <laughs> if i could hold all the thoughts in my head and just keep them for you if i could not look at other people and want to jerk off and only think about you and want to jerk off i really want to show my girl that i want her by having sex with her <laughs> if i could purge all the urges that i have and keep them for you to jerk off. I really want to show a girl that I need her, but I keep it locked right now. Not jerking off. <laughs> so I the... used my mind and I used my hand, thinking, oh. and then using the thoughts to jerk off. It was Stephanie what I wanted to back do. in at a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they... This was putting the song right after Bluish is a power move on. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna assume it was Deacon's part. Uh, yeah, no, Deacon, Deacon sequenced sequence the album. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, check out my friend David having all that sex. How about we put the Noah Jerkoff song immediately after that?" Yeah, here's a song about me not having sex. How about that shit? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very um, it, like the um. It's the for Reverend Green fireworks of, like, having sex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, I guess the the whole, the the title, the guy's eyes are like the wandering eyes, right? So he's just like, you know, looking around and he's getting all horny. The male gaze. Yeah. That's what it's, yeah, that's what it is. Which, this song with Bluish, they're two male gaze songs in a row. Yeah. Yikes. Right? Like, I, I really noticed that today when I was going over the lyrics, and that is exactly what it is. Uh-huh. And then if you really think about, like, if you, like, you think about Noah's, like, family songs, they're all kind of, like, really paternalistic. And, yeah. like, you, you start to see, like, a weird gender dynamic with the whole album, and, like, the fact that it is just, like, you know, four white dudes in a band together really starts to, like, come to the fore when you think about all that together. Four white mm-hmm. dudes. Which I guess I never really conser- considered before. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not like it's a, it's not a bad album because of this, but like it's really just something that 
comes to mind a lot more readily now than it would have perhaps when I was 18. <laughs> yeah, 10 years yeah. ago. Um, the, the break here uh, where he says need her over and over again, there was like very, very briefly a meme about how it sounds like he's saying uh, need poo. <laughs> Like need poo, need poo, need poo. <laughs> well, I mean, he just wants to do what his body wants to, yeah. which is take which a is huge poo. shit. <laughs> he needs to drop a deuce. Yeah, so he used his mind. And he used his hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's this is this this is the official sequel to the meme from like 2009, 2010. That's like. Noah Lennox spent 1.5 years in prison for punching a 12-year-old in the face. <laughs> God, I forgot uh, about that one. <laughs> was, and that was also just the prequel to Wayne Coyne Arrested. Yeah. yeah. Wayne Coyne Arrested was like the, the Bioshock to that one's System Shock 2. <laughs> Which, yeah, this... Once we eventually do Zyrika, you need to be on for that one, too. Oh, oh absolutely. That was my original plan. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad I have I'm so glad I have Kleenex next to me so that I can uh, clean up after this song. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not a podcast with me on it until I say come, so I'm just going to say the word come now. Just get that out of the way. Just get that out of the way. This is the come uh. song. Thank you very much. I mean, the last one was also the come song in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. This song isn't as wet as Bluish. No, it's not. It's definitely not, but it also, like, it sounds like jacking off in the jungle. <laughs> the the loop of, like, uh, drum, jack the in, Jack in the noises. jungle, watch out for that cum. <laughs> there, there's a loop that is in the percussion section of, like, uh, drumstick noises, like, hitting, hitting the rims of drums. Um, yeah. It, it reminds me of, like, the days where that was primarily what he did in the band was be the drummer. Mm-hmm. There's a speaking of that. There's a wonderful video of them playing Cuckoo Cuckoo, where he just destroys a whole drum drum kit. Fuck yeah! That dude. explains <laughs> that explains the dynamics of that song. If that's kind of what they were aiming for, <laughs> he's got that hand strength. Yeah, I actually yeah. And now that it, now that you mentioned like the the drum fills and the way they stack together in this song, I really like the way this song progresses and builds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like there's a lot of a lot of overlapping vocals. Some of them are just him, and there's definitely some AV ones in there as well. And then just like the the um, the rim hits of the snare, yeah, because mm-hmm. that that's like the that's like the primary basis of the rhythm there. It's really good the way it builds. So, and this is this is just me ruining tanking this entire episode. But do you think AV's the Chad in this situation? <laughs> um. If I had to, if I had to dynamics this band, yes, yeah. But realistically, it's a band of four virgins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Noah may have children, but he has virgin energy. Everybody but Deacon has children. No, no, and Deacon and Avi have children. Geologist has kids. That's cute. Yeah, he's got a kid. So they also wear headlamps. Yes, little headlamp boys. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Deacon's Chad um, move was taking everyone's Kickstarter money and going on a <laughs> spirit quest. Because, see, Deacon wasn't on this album. He was busy fucking off and, like, I think he went to Africa, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and that's what he, he raised went... the Kickstarter money for, and then he never released the album that was supposed to come from that. Right. Yeah, he did, however, go to Africa and then write the best album of seven years later. Exactly. Yeah. 
Oh my and he god! Designed, took, he took designed some sleeping bag shoes. <laughs> nice shoes. I still have the original, uh, the original ones. Yeah. How how much would it cost? Do you think to get a custom printed Vans that has the Meriwether Post Pavilion album art on it? Like forty bucks. Really? Yeah, Nike. At least in the U.S., has this thing called like Nike ID, or Vans has the same thing, where you can get like printed shoes for fairly cheap. Okay, I might have to consider this for my next shoe. I didn't know you could I just, upload I just, your I just own wear Vans now. Those. You can. Yeah, I did it with um, the Panoramica Grim Reaper art back in like 2015. Nice. <laughs> cool. I didn't buy just, the shoe. It was expensive. The, true, the truest the truest stan of all time. I need to actually <laughs> buy that album at some point. Um, we, there's, can, can I just, this is, has nothing to do with uh, Meriwether Post Pavilion, but th- there's a lot of animosity towards Sonic Boom uh, in this fandom and in this... Um, I feel in... like you instilled that in me more than anyone else. <laughs> I love him, though. I always loved him. Even around the Tomboy release? That doesn't sound right. Well, maybe not initially, but I grew to love him, and we interacted many a time over Collected Animals. Yeah. Um, he's such a nice guy. He was the one who basically like promised that we would get every song from the Grim Reaper Sessions released. Sick. Nice. He was we we begged him for it, and he was like, "Oh, fine, fine. I'll talk to Noah." And Noah that's why like, that's why he puts out so many EPs, right? Yeah. <laughs> like he's been pretty prolific lately. Yeah. The last couple of years. That's why, because we all bullied him into releasing everything he had. <laughs> See, virgin energy. This means you're the Chad. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Guys Eyes was originally. Uh, performed um, in Panda Bear setlists uh, under the name Song for Ariel. Uh, and that was, I think, when he was still mostly performing um, kind of in the person pitch style where he would mm-hmm. layer like the acoustic samples on top of each other um, kind of in uh, in the in the style of the album Allegranza uh, by uh, El Guincho. What a good album. Yeah, shout out to El Guincho. He, um, his latest album, Hyperasia, is really good. Anyway. Yeah. Is that, um, is that all I for Guys Eyes? The Ariel in question, wasn't that Ariel Pink? Is it? I hope not, that guy's a creep. That guy is a creep. He sucks ass. They, they did, <laughs> they did, they, they are basically responsible for, for making Ariel Pink. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah. they, he, Ariel Pink was the, uh, the, uh, the first thing released on Paw Tracks that wasn't, like, one of the band, right? Wasn't it Tickly Feather? They did release a bunch of Black Dice stuff, I think, as well. On, Either way, fuck Pot Ariel Tracks. Pink. We're never covering one of his albums. <laughs> fuck that guy. Yeah. Just a total um, creepazoid. He's an asshole. Yeah, and an asshole. Just, like, also just notedly a creepazoid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, taste? Taste. This is my this this is my sleeper best song in the album. I fucking love Taste. Taste, oh, is, Taste is my Taste MVP. Is good. Um, it's one of the first songs I heard from this album, like in a very early version, and um, I think it was from a live performance. And then they also did the uh, La Blago Tech uh, performance of it, where they're like pushing. Uh, I think 
I think they're pushing AV Terror around in a, a shop- shopping was, cart. Yeah, in a shopping cart, yeah. 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 I was going to watch that before this, and then I forgot to, but please put a clip of it in here. I will. Like, just the audio, because it sounds so different. <laughs> Do you remember when the most watched Animal Collective video on YouTube was, um, the, it was Taste, but it was called Tasty Place at the time, uh, from the Midi Festival in France? Oh god, yeah. I remember that. I would would assume that their most played video would just be them doing Covered in Frogs. (laughs) <laughs> oh that covered in frogs performance is good though yeah it, it is it like it's very funny yeah because it is very much just two guys with guitars yelling like yeah yeah like, in a, like it's in a very much it, it's it's fucking andy samberg on brooklyn 99 trying to <laughs> get information out of an out of an informant by playing a guitar and screaming <laughs> at him but there's two of them and it's in a bookshop <laughs> and people are there listening to it on purpose <laughs> <laughs> yep and, and and David Portner kind of looks like Andy Samberg also. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, also, speaking of funny Animal Collective performances, shout out to uh, the performance they did in like 2004 at Other Music in New York City. What a good set. I don't know if y'all, y'all have heard that one, but they do like a bunch of like early Here Comes the Indian stuff. Nice. Oof. Yeah. Like the live stuff from around then is like really, really weird, and a lot of it seems like almost like you had to be there type of thing, but at the same time, like, if you kind of put yourself in that mindset, like, of you want to re... you want to get yourself back into that period of Animal Collective, it's worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, listening well, to Holland always... again, for example. Mm-hmm. The thing that always strikes me about the Covered in Frogs performance is how well they're harmonizing while literally just screaming and banging on a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they, they've been in sync forever. Yeah. But anyways, taste. Taste. Am I really all the things that are outside of me? This song almost seems like it's making fun of the very, like, tastemaker hipsters that brought them to prominence. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. And that's very good. It's the um, it's the equivalent of that line from Carrots, uh, from mm-hmm. Person Pitch, that's about, like, uh, don't listen to those websites to try to change your style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very... Also, it's also, I think, like, a lyrical pair to the sentiment in My Girl's. Where it's like, don't care about these things because you can't eat those. They're looking for like be it's like be practical. You don't follow the the trends, and don't go changing clothes when they don't like yours. Do you appreciate a- the subtleties of taste buds? <laughs> yeah, I sure do. And <gasps> also, just this song sounds really fucking cool. It just does. Yeah. Like I want to, I want like, to try to, I want to try to make that arpeggio on a Game Boy. <laughs> I mean, I have it. I have LSDJ. I could do it. Yeah. There's a whole... So this Genius page is actually missing um, the whole Panda Bear half of the verses. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, because I was, I was trying to think of what he's saying between the, the two verses as well, because he has that kind of overdub. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, so I might I, have to... Do you have them handy? I do have them handy. Uh, Collected Animals has a whole lyrics website. Hell that yeah. is actually super interesting. Let's go to taste over here. Um, he is saying, uh, I don't get them, not their hearts, their tastes. There's no need to protect my comforts. Serious threats, threats, threats. 
Um, and then I know that body's built like rock, but I'll take you on. How would you talk to all your kids? Keep them on your knee. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Because, yeah, they're, they're just talking at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same effect that you'll hear in Brothersport later on, where they're just saying this different things. Yeah, but at least in Brothersport on the Genius, they're all. Yeah. Like, they have the, the lines from both halves. And uh, what other song? <clears throat> uh, Line, Line in a Coma does it, too. It does. Yes, 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 yes. Because they're, they're, they're saying lines at the same time. Taste is a very, very good song. It's not my favorite on the album, but uh, it's incredible. The song, uh, it's kind of, it does the, it, it stays at the same level, um, like, without really any buildup or letdown throughout the whole mm-hmm. song. It's, it's, a, it's a burrito song. Um, <laughs> it's, it's that perfectly wrapped foil package. It's a good mm-hmm. 7.4. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's not splattered on the windshield. No. But yeah, it's it's very consistent too. Like that arpeggio is pretty much throughout, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the like the the bass patch is running like the same note sequence the whole time as well. I think the thing that mostly changes are the overdubs and also the I think the percussion changes throughout as well. A little bit, yes. Like it's it's like it's a remarkably consistent song on an album that's mostly made out of builds. Yeah, this oh, this is this is our geologist appreciation song, I think. We love Geologist, um, but it is, yes, it is the smoking mids of uh, MPP. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about <laughs> weed, you stupid fucking stoner. <laughs> no, it's not weed. Does anyone in this chat smoke weed? No! <laughs> <sighs> anyone in this chat smoke beer or drink weed? No. <laughs> And yeah, the, the part at the end of the song where the am I really all the things that are, are outside of me is looping and they're bringing overdubs like kind of in and out. So they, they, they build it. They, this is the kind of spot where it builds a little bit because there's one point where it um, it drops one of the overdubs and it's just like the you can just hear the percussion and the arpeggio going for like the life against the last four of them. Mm-hmm. And I really, really like that effect. Oh, yeah, it's a, it is good. I'm grooving while that's going. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, tasting, good I'm tasting something good. Do you appreciate the subtleties of taste buds? I'm tasting something good. Do you appreciate the subtleties of taste bud? Hey, hey, bud? Bud? Hey, bud? Bud? <laughs> hey, buddy, do you appreciate the subtleties of taste? Go take a walk off a short pier. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate lying in a coma. Hey. Lying in a coma. hate it so much let's talk I... about that why Kay. do you hate line in a coma uh i hate line in a coma i hate the sample uh i hate the way the words kind of weave through the through the song okay um i hate the uh chorus the wilderness up in my head chorus um it's just i don't like the chorus i could give the, you that the only good thing about the song is the end the line in a coma line in a coma who wants to smell the fine aroma yeah but i i can't do the rest of the song <laughs> this song is very about depression. Yeah. Yeah. But the chorus kind of ruins that. Yeah. 
the wilderness needs to get right out of my clothes and get into my bedroom sounds way too horny for a depression yeah. song. <laughs> um, and I don't like that line at all. I do. I really like the sample. The sample's fucking cool. Fuck you. I do like it. Um, it uh, it makes it b- because the sample is in a certain weird time signature. It forces the rest of the song to also be in that time signature, which I think is uh, nine eight time. So every every measure has nine beats, which leads to some really really weird scansion in the lyrics. Yeah, he is like all over the place. When all this mess will give me down, I depart from Chinatown. Yeah, yeah, but I also get the same. We're, we're talking future now, but I get the same feeling from, like, the song The Burglars that they put out on Painting With. And yeah. that's a better song. And that song's in, like, a regular time signature. Yeah, but they still stuff, like, 40,000 words in there. Uh-huh. This, this this song reminds me of, like, every Animal Collective song written by Deacon, where instead of writing, like, simple lyrics, he writes a college essay. <laughs> <laughs> Like if you think about like songs like Wide Eyed or Country Report, Wide Eyed, yeah, Country I wanna, Report. I want to take a, a note and just highlight a specific line. Yeah, uh, but if I let my wrist get tired, that's about jerking off. That's a hundred percent about jerking off. Why is this album so horny? I'm just realizing this now. But if I let my spirit cry out, <laughs> that's come, baby. <laughs> oh my god! Can we add like a little uh, like a cheering sound effect there after you said? Cums? Can you just put a little boing in there? <laughs> yeah, I, that, uh, that's going to become like the fucking I'm on the edge thing from Punch Up the Jam. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, it's going to become. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is the winter wonderland of, of Mary with the Post Pavilion. And in that I winter also wonderland like, fucking rules. I barely like winter wonderland, man. It, I it like, pre- uh, this is one spot where the, the genius annotations I kind of like, uh, for the end of the song where it's just like the way he's repeat, where he's repeating the chorus almost just seems like it's, uh, he's like lending himself to the defeat of the depression that he's in. Yeah. And I think that that really works. Wants mm. to use his aching bones, wants to run but cannot roam, line in a coma, wants to smell the fine aroma. And, like, the way that it's repeated isn't really consistent. Yeah. There, that's good. I like that. Well, that's your favorite part of the song, right? Was that, yeah. was that ending part. Exactly. And I think that's the best part of the song, so. <laughs> um, it's just, a, like, it's very much the winter wonderland of this album because it prevents me from getting to, honestly, two of the best songs on the album. Uh-huh. Uh, Cuckoo Cuckoo and Derek. Uh, I mean, no more running a brother sport. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's like, if they, if they had to cut any song in the album, I think this one would probably be first. Yeah. Yeah. And then for me, the other one would probably be Daily Routine. I would cut Summertime Clothes, but that's just me. Yeah. I could go either Summertime Clothes or Line in a Coma. Because I feel like this could have been a strong nine-track album. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. their stand- that was their- that was what they'd done in the last two. Yeah. For sure. The last two were both nine trackers. Nine nine little trick trick tracks. Yeah, nine little trick tracks. Nine little paw tracks. <laughs> nine little that reminds nine me of... little chick tracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all these all these songs are chick tracks. They're about the Lord. They are. <laughs> you think they're about come? No, they're about Jesus. The people and were his astounded cum. at his doctrine. <laughs> <laughs> Can we oh. move on? <laughs> you know who the dancer was? It was God. <laughs> And God, uh, God no was running. high in a field. Yeah, no more running. Stick 
Uh, no More Running is my favorite song in this album. Okay. It's real I'm, good. I'm just going to lead off with that. No More Running is basically like... Coming out strong. I don't know. Yeah. It was... It, it, it doesn't have that many lyrics for how long the song is. Yeah. Exactly. It's a nice break period in the album. It's like the rest of the album is so like in your face, like either just super wet or super dancey. You feel like you're like in a in a club and you go off mm-hmm. to the side room where you can like have a nice drink of water. Um, and that's what this song is. Uh, basically, No More Running is like, I don't know, it feels like a like a like the feeling of like just kind of letting go and giving up. Yeah. Almost. That it's just like, I don't know, it it has sort of like a final feel to me. If if Brothersport didn't exist and this was the, the last song on the album, I'd be all right. Yeah, if you didn't if you didn't know that Brothersport was a song at all. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. That that's no shade on Brothersport. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. But if that song like if you somehow got a copy of Meriwether Post Pavilion and didn't have Brothersport on it, I would have been like, okay. That's that's the that's album. it, I guess. That's yeah. a cool bonus track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the iTunes bonus track. Here's another spot where fuck you genius. The way that the the they interpret the lyrics is like the person who when they're too into a relationship like gives up on all their friends. Ooh. And like I that's not what I get out of friends I once had turn their thoughts away from me. No, not at all. Like no. what's your take on it? To me that just seems like, you know, be, being in your in your late twenties or whatever, you you end up just not seeing er- and ev- everybody who you used to hang out with almost every day as much as you do, mm-hmm. and it and it's fine. Yeah, like the no more running to me, like basically just feels like the the whole of your twenties is like you know trying to gather as many experiences as you can, but like he's found like a happy place, happy relationship, which you know real sad in retrospect, <laughs> but yeah, because there like, are definitely. He- he definitely has marriage songs on this album, which are very sad in retrospect. He he basically like he got there and he's not running anymore. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. he's, I'm sure he's still not running now. He lives on like a cow farm now. Yeah. But good for him. He lives in like North Carolina, I think now. Yeah, sure. The the line about uh, I've got to breathe on back porches with the torch of a firefly lit tree. Um, the the genius annotation there, I think, um, probably isn't like you know true but i think it does it does kind of kind of ring true to me a little bit about how it's a little reminiscent of the album campfire songs yeah because well, yeah, they recorded like, that's... that whole album on a back porch um mm-hmm. basically live and like that's that's very like reminiscing to like the earlier days of like the, the his youth basically yeah before his they got all the success yeah, that I'm I'm willing to like agree with both of your interpretations. That's actually like that's better than what this hell page has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just like musically, it's a very good song. Another yeah. really strong point towards like the Avi Terra and Noah Lennox are completely in tune with how they harmonize with each other. Yeah. Because those, it's what I hope for. Sounds so fucking good. Oh yeah. Yeah, where this they kind of go down, they they kind of like slide down and go back up. Oh, mm-hmm. whoa, whoa! Um, this song reminds me of Street Flash on the Water Curses EP. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, they are very, very, very much of the same. Uh, sure, yeah. Street Flash, uh, Water Curses is a wet EP in general. <laughs> Street Flash is a very wet song. Yeah, like they 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 went right with the name on that one. Extremely damp. Yeah, they want to be it's like da- water. it's damp curses. It's it's just damp swears. 
do, do y'all remember back when MPP was coming out when um when the band would they put out those like web ads that repeatedly referred to the album as hey we're Animal Collective this is our this is our damp new album <laughs> no but that sounds very what, funny repeatedly and insistently um, Panda Bear walked out of an interview once because he uh, the interviewer said that the album wasn't wet. <laughs> Is that interviewer fucking deaf? This didn't happen, but I'm also like, <laughs> this is a bit. <laughs> and that interviewer was Albert Einstein. God damn it. I can't believe I've been owned on this day. <laughs> hey, we're Animal Collective. Uh, just kind of like um, like radio shout out from like Nirvana. Mm-hmm. A voice. Hey, we're Animal Collective, and this is our wet new album, Meriwether Post Pavilion. We got our first single, Brother Sport. It's super wet, premiering right now. We got we got Will Oldham to take a picture of us in a quarry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference. It oh sure boy. Is. <laughs> are we ready uh, for Brother Sport? I think we're are ready we for Brother Sport. Emotionally, are we? <laughs> So I think I think we're at a, a point in our lives where we can accept it into our hearts. We're ready I to just want to note that I I am on this song. Yeah, Matt. That's Matt. me. That's that's what we have to have as as a uh, as a clip. It's just the Matt. Whenever <laughs> I start getting off topic, you just you can just slam that you can slam that MF Matt button. <laughs> that's actually um, not a bad idea. Um. Matt! <laughs> My favorite thing about this song is its single cover that looks like nuts. Yeah, it does look like nuts. Oh boy, does it. I mean, I call I call it sports ball. <laughs> the song is also about sports ball. Yeah. Yeah. It's also about chakras. Is it? Okay, open up your throat. The throat the throat chakra is linked with the concept of honesty and openness. Mm-hmm. Open up your throat. Right there. It's right fucking there. Little, okay. little bit of a reach, maybe. It's about chakras, goddammit. <laughs> um, he, he's writing oh. to his brother uh, about, I guess, how he can flourish and take control of his life, even though uh, their, their father has passed on. Mm-hmm. I know it sucks that daddy's done is probably the worst way to phrase it. Yes. Yeah. It's just like, okay, I, this is like as clumsy as like, hey man, what's your problem? <laughs> you know, it, it ends up not mattering, but yes, when you look at it that closely, it it is kind of stupid sounding. <laughs> um, I'm reading here that apparently Noah's p- father died in 2002. Okay, yeah, that's like quite a way before this was. Yeah, written. this song came out and was written at least in at least 2007. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Matt, what were you doing for years? <laughs> Come on, Matt. What the hell? I don't know, playing Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt in to... 2007 was uh was was curating his top 8 uh <laughs> and uh 
and, and sliding poly six in and out of my top eight on face on on myspace yeah trying to get that shiny pony talk <laughs> yeah <laughs> some 41 2011 <laughs> um this is live in ontario a... <laughs> brother sport is a wonderful fucking song yeah it's, yeah it's the jam the drums are uh, like addictive you get you get the closest to an av tear scream during this song yeah well, live, you get the actual thing. Yeah. Um, Them just I, screaming I, at each other, one saying, support your brother, and the other one saying, sport brother. Yeah. <laughs> Again, listen to live at 9.30. It's so good. I just, the one thing I don't like about the song is that Edros got sent to maximum security prison because he re- posted the song on his blog <laughs> yeah. by the web sheriff. Yeah. The entire band got legally threatened because Edros <laughs> posted an MP3 that he got from somewhere else. Oh boy! Uh, so they, they were not. Yeah, I was trying to think if they were on the same label at this point, but they wouldn't have been. No, they were on Warp. Yeah, Grizzly Bear. Were was they on both Warp. on? Were they both on Warp at this point? No, Animal Collective Animal was on Domino. Were, they were never yeah. on Warp. They were always on Domino. Yeah, okay, yeah. that tracks. But they were—they like, they were friends with each other, and they were contemporaries. Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was something like if they were on the same label, then that'd be bonkers. <laughs> It'd be kind They're, of bonkers. Um, pretty bonkers, kind of bonkers, really bonkers. Um, they. It's weird because in 2007, I don't know if you remember how Strawberry Jam got leaked. No. No. It got leaked in like two tracks at a time. (laughs) And at one point during an interview, Geologist was like, just leak the whole fucking thing already. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And for some reason, their whole approach to leaks went completely, I mean, it probably wasn't their fault, but it went like completely berserk for Meriwether, like, if, if a song even leaked, I think the person would be, like, like, disappeared in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, yeah, they, because they, they, they were, like, watermarking their tracks at that point, weren't they? Like, the promo tracks and stuff? So was, um, so was, um, Strawberry. Yeah. Well, I think everyone, everyone, like, does digital watermarking now. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's a lot more subtle. Yeah. And albums don't really leak anymore. Like, they, no, uh, they don't make them like they used to. <laughs> but, yeah. Good. This, this song, good song was, uh, this song was in the playlist at my wedding reception, <laughs> yeah. so we yeah. all uh, we we all got to 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 eat some uh, some wedding food while listening to Brother Sport, and also I have uh, a video of Matt dancing to I believe in a thing called Love by the Darkness that same day. Yes, fuck. <laughs> I was wearing cool space shoes and a suit. Yeah, and I was like Hannibal Burris. Look at my suit. Yeah, look at my suit. <laughs> the lyrics of this song, I understand what he's going for. But, like, you gotta get rid of the morning is also a terrible line. Yeah. You can't really think about the lyrics of any part of this song really well. Except for, and then you get to, like, the until you're fully grown, you got a real good shot, won't help to hold inside, keep it real, give a real shout out. And that repeated to the end of the song, fucking rules. I will, Noah. (laughs) I will. I will give a real shout out. I want to give a real shout out to this song because it it has helped me through so much. Like, the Uh, the rhythm of those lines... The way they build with the background vocals, the way they build with the synths and the various loops that they've been like flitting around throughout the whole song, because like there's the there's the part where it goes into the breakdown where it's doing like that whistle back and forth, yeah, and then it kind of it it settles into like a more calm groove, a lot like the the opening of Peacebone, where yes. it like goes from the chaos into like the the more regular beat, very very similar construction the way they did that. I love the pew. And then, like, yeah. yeah. Pew. And Pew. then, 
Yeah, and then it just builds for the rest of the song. It's like three minutes jam, and then live, it's like an eight-minute jam. Yeah. Longer, even. Uh, I remember during shows, they would start off basically by starting with, like, the shaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it hit the, the boom-boom sounds. Yeah. Um, for maybe, like, three minutes. The <laughs> middle part would go so long until they started screaming at each other, and it looked like you were watching, like... Your parents argue in front of you, yeah. <laughs> um, dad and dad are getting divorced on stage. <laughs> um, until it just finally just goes into that blissed out, like, wonderful ending. And then even even sometimes, like, live, it would continue beyond that. Yeah, like, they just built other parts into it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hell of a song to hear live. Yeah, th- this, yeah, this, real, it, this it was is definitely the, it was the, the song that got me the most hyped for this album to come out when it leaked. Because mm-hmm. I, I think I, oh god, I was, I think at my student union in college, um, eating a bowl of greasy Panda Express food, <laughs> and then I found the MP3 of this song, and I threw it on my iPod and listened to it, and I'm like, okay, well, my day's better now. <laughs> oh, hold on, wait, well, wait, I'm getting a phone call, wait, hello, web sheriff? Oh, yeah, he's right here. I don't call the cops, but I'll call you. <laughs> hello, I'm, I'm on my, my what CD account, and... <laughs> I downloaded the song from Soulseek. <laughs> oh my... I, I went to sitemediafire.com brother sport mp3. <laughs> 320. <laughs> it never worked. Yeah. Uh, the 320 never worked, but the rest of it totally did. Oh, okay. yeah, absolutely. That's that's why you had to go to... God, music was a lawless fucking wasteland for so long. It was. Like, when web, it... Pir- web piracy, I guess. When did it stop being like this? Was it when we all got what CD accounts, or like... I think it's when we all got what CD accounts, and then also... When streaming people would services give, people would give away people would give, People would give away MP3s on their blog. People would release music digitally and made it more accessible, so I started buying it. I am Matt, the Bandcamp purchaser. That's my legal <laughs> name now. Yeah. I've bought, like, well over 300 releases on Bandcamp at this point. Um... <laughs> Like, yeah, I think it's just the greater accessibility to it and the fact that, like, Mediafire and Mega Upload had, like, huge clampdowns on content. Because, like, Mediafire was, like, wide open for ages. Yeah. Like, you could just do whatever on it. It was so wide open that if you you really wanted to, you could steal a whole Atlas sound album. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That sure happened, didn't it? It sure did. Then he just released a completely different version of the album. Yeah, and even that was different to the version that actually did come out. Yeah, like I, I think I still have like the different versions of it. There, there are like three of there's them. There's a lot of changes. <laughs> yeah, I have two. I have two of them. Whatever the original leak was, and then whatever the final version was. Mm. Whatever ones were in the middle, I don't have. I think the the oldest uh, I, the oldest album leak that I still have sitting around that's not the same thing as the final release uh, is Beck's Guero album. Ooh. I have with the, um, like eight, the, with the eight minute version of Scarecrow <laughs> just sandwiched yeah. in the middle there. I have the um, the original version of Best Coast's 2010 album, the uh, which is one? yes, which is 30 second samples of the songs followed by a Seinfeld episode. 
Um, I still have, and this is, this one's not as funny. Um, I have the leaked version of Hail to the Thief that has a ton of different, like, versions of the songs. Oh, hell Well, yeah. it's, like, unmastered-ish. So, it was, I mean, it's, it's alright. It'll be good to talk about on your podcast, which, uh, which we're probably gonna have to plug at the end of this show. Yeah, what probably. Podcast? I don't do any podcast besides this. No, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs> Uh, I mean, we're, it, we're pretty much at the outro. We can we can move into final thoughts. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's Meriwether Post Pavilion. It's probably still the most popular Animal Collective album ten years later. Um, yeah. My favorite song on it is probably Brother Sport, uh, if I had to pick one. Uh, but it's it's just a really solid album, pretty top to bottom. I think. Yeah, I think this album holds up a lot better than I ever thought it would back in 2009, because I very much got sick of this album in, like, the 2009 to 2011 stretch, because, like, I played the hell out of it. And, like, I was looking at my iTunes counts, because, like, my iTunes library is about as old as this album, so, like, I have accurate play counts for everything, and, like, I have very few albums that, like, go into, like, the 30s and 40s numbers territory. Because I'm way too scatterbrained for that kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, but this one has a lot of them. And I especially did not think My Girls was going to hit this hard this lo- much later. Because that song was overplayed to like a point of ridiculousness. Yeah, where, af- after if a you certain remember, while. We were all just making fun of it constantly. Yeah, it was a meme. Play My Girls was a meme. It was. It was a meme akin to Come to Brazil. <laughs> Oh, fucking come to Brazil. Yeah, is, which uh, has which has now moved from last FM comments to YouTube comments to Facebook is, comments. Is um is Brother Sport basically Animal Kingdom's come to Brazil moment? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. It's the song that sounds the most like Alegranza on the whole album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and love like anything they ever produced. <laughs> I love this album. Uh, I used to hate it because it was popular. Um, like you do. And yeah, but then but then you just grew the fuck up and realized yeah. it's actually good. Yeah, and uh, like, it's I, like I probably still wouldn't call it my favorite Animal Collective release. Yeah. Me, Strawberry, Strawberry Jam exists. Yeah. yeah, we we talked about this on Twitter the other day. How uh, MPP is an album that has MPP on it, but it doesn't have Strawberry Jam on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if they released like album. a double, if they released a double LP, it would be good. <laughs> um, but it is a incredibly solid album no more running like i said is my favorite song on this album mostly because it is it's different it's different mm-hmm. it's it has it's not like anything i'd heard on the album before well i hadn't really heard this album before you know you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. um and like it just the legacy of it and the fact that it created a big ripple in the industry for a very short time mm-hmm. was very 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 good and i'm very grateful for the times that we have been through together me and mpp <laughs> Yeah. Um, and also the art on Genius is Backwards. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a very singular album. It's a very album of its time, but I think it, it really, it holds up. Like a 9.6 doesn't even seem like an, an unfairly, a weirdly high score for it. Like it, it works. Yeah. Yeah. It, it redefined a lot of stuff that was going on at the time. So I think just, I mean, as I'll, as I'll say, in terms Pitchfork, of influence, yeah. As I'll say, for Pitchfork, for a dollar, give a ten to a woman, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, I, I can see it's, its legacy is still... 
it's strong, although it's not. It it didn't end up being as influential as it uh, it probably should have been. Probably because people realized that doing what Animal Collective does is a lot harder than it looks. Yeah, yeah. Um, wait, what was the last ten they gave out? The last ten they gave out was uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Really? So other whole... other than other than reissues, which yeah. they'll give tens to all the time. Oh yeah, they give tens out like candy to reissue. Uh, that but that is absolutely the last one. Wow, wow. Like they actually, they seem to. I feel like the the two thousand six to like two thousand eleven era Pitchfork was a little more generous with nines than they are now. Sure. Because I feel like the main things that have gotten nines in recent years have been like subsequent Kanye and Kendrick releases. Uh, I think Solange got a nine. Like it's it's a lot more rare. Whereas we'd regularly get like was it like five or six nines a year? Oh yeah. And those would be, like, your general... They'd, they'd be five or six out of the top ten that year. Yeah. Because we're talking... We're talking... We're talking 2009. The year before this, Nouns by No Age got a 9.2 or something. It would never fucking get that now. Oh, absolutely Nouns, not. Even though Nouns is absolutely a 9.2 album, first of all, it would be reviewed by Ian Cohen, and second <laughs> of all, it would get a 7.9 because Ian Cohen is not allowed to give best new musics. Yeah. They took... They no, took it would get, like, a 6.8. Yeah. God, Nouns fucking slaps, dude. Yeah, Nouns is fucking great, but knowing, like, 2019 Pitchfork... Yeah, no, it would not fly. No. It's not constructed enough. No. Because they're, they're all about, like, the intricate albums. Which, like, fair, but at the same time, it's not the only shit. It wouldn't be, like... I want I two men two men just going hog wild. <laughs> Here's the thing, they're not gonna, like... They, they wrote that whole, like, Pine Grove... Uh, redemption piece that like pissed me off um, and they are never going to give like a a 10 to some like I don't know what I'm trying to say but I'm I'm mad about Pitchfork reviews lately well so now what I'm thinking about it it's just like that all the artists that I named are like you know like mainstream recording artists like when do they they don't give things to like new up-and-comers much anymore no they don't they they'll, don't. if they'll get if they'll get a best new music it'll be a low eight yeah, I mean, however, like, you know, I have, like the hedging bets kind of score. They did uh, yesterday give an eight point three to Burna Boy, who I'd never heard of before. Again, which... a low eight. That's yeah. the hedging. It's the hedging bets score. Like I can't imagine anything like them giving a nine to Broken Social Scene's second album, like they did way back in the day, and basically like creating Broken Social Scene out of whole cloth. Pretty much, yeah. Because that, that was a huge moment. Like, that would be, like, I, I could honestly consider that, like, the start of their Tastemaker era. Yeah, how, was how, broken did, you, social uh, scene. how did you deal with the fame? Um, it was pretty cool. I, I hadn't really served my term yet, but I was aware of the band. <laughs> that took me a couple seconds. I'm, I'm ashamed of how long that took me. <laughs> but yeah. I'm trying to think other nines of the, of the year. So 2009 uh, would have been Grizzly Bears... Uh, Vecadamist got over a nine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think Raekwon's album that came out that year got a nine. Only built for Cuban Links Part Two. Yeah. Um. And if I'm... it didn't, it was at least it, it ranked above some things in their top ten list that year. So if it got any lower, like functionally list wise, it ended up higher. I'm, I'm actually I'm really it. curious now. The best albums of 2000 pitch. Oh yeah, Bite Orca was. Oh, Bite Orca. Yeah. Man, I can't listen to that album anymore. I can't listen to that album anymore, and I definitely can't listen to any of the, like, modern Dirty Projectors, which is just how sad he is that all the women left his band. Yeah, exactly. Golly, just, I wonder why. <laughs> it's, it's... Uh, 
It's upsetting. Um, I think that that the latest, uh, the well, not not the latest. Well, the latest one is still kind of sad because it's just like, oh, you're really doing this. Um, but the one before, the 2017 one, was mm-hmm. uh, complaints for like an hour. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I did not care for it. Yeah. Um, the oh. X, the XX put out their album that year, but it didn't get a nine. Uh, Embryonic got a nine. Oh, that's right. I've never heard that album before. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, Wayne Wolfgang quite arrested. It got a nine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. Mm. Didn't get a nine, though. Yeah. Didn't get a nine? No, it got like an 8.5. Wow. Huh. It's better than it was in 2009. It, it got a 1901. <laughs> okay, first of all, nice. And second of all, the Raekwon album got an 8.8, so I was close. Oh. Did Girls get a nine? Uh, Girls was... Girls was actually the best album of 2009. <laughs> because it is I was, the best album. I was about to say Girls album didn't come out in 2009 and then I remembered that that's literally the first line of that copy pasta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Girls got Girls got a 9.1 but it was their 10th best album of the year. Huh, okay. That, that was really a time. Like looking at this top 10 is like a it's a time warp. Yeah, for sure. It's bonkers. It's bonkers to look at. That's actually a good source for uh for future episodes, I think. Yeah. Is the top, uh, is the fe- top fe- list. Fever Ray, Fever Ray was also on the list that year. Damn. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. So, uh, I think that's a pretty good spot to wrap up. Um, are we ready for uh, Are we ready for plugs? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't, actually, I, I'm going bald, but I don't, I'm not like that bald yet. Uh, wig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm bald um, right now. Um, I, I'm, I'm David. Uh, I started this show with my good friend, Matt, um, Hi. of, of noisespace.xyz, the podcast network that he runs and so nicely gives me a space on, uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Dave's spelled like waves, except with three V's, um, like the album, like the, like the album, like the funny landlord. Um, I also have a show called The Stick, uh, which I do with Eden, who is uh, a friend of the show, and it's a show about uh, Homestar Runner, and we're going to do another episode soon, I promise. Mace, go guest on it. You like Homestar Runner, right? I love Homestar 10. There we go. Just guest on every Noise Space podcast now that you've joined. I feel like I'm just going to, I'm going to be the Paul F. Tompkins of Noise Space. I'm just going to Yeah, just make make the circuit. Uh, (laughs) I'm Matt. I run this bitch. I have a couple other podcasts, some of which are inactive, and maybe we'll start one day, and then a couple that are active. So there's Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die, which is essentially Noise Space's flagship podcast. Not a threat, just a fact. It's not a threat, it's just a fact. Um, We talk about politics. We're recording an episode tomorrow, so you'll see that around the same time you see this. Although this one, I feel like, is going to be a much longer edit job for David because my recording just peaked over two hours. Yeah. Because <laughs> we have been talking literally forever. Oh, yeah. Um, It'll be sometime then, midweek, probably. <laughs> and then me and my friend Trevor do a podcast called Giants Confirmed, uh, which is going to be recording a new episode this weekend as well, also with David. Yay. And uh, it's going to be about their fifth album, John Henry. Yeah, I'm excited and, for that. Uh, yeah, out of those and this are the active podcasts that I'm on. I won't talk about the inactive ones until I have something to show for them again. <laughs> One day. Soon, soon. Um, soon. I am Mace. I play music as Echo Vessel. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Echo Vessel. Um, I have a couple things to plug. I'm just kind of go kind of go down a list. Uh, most importantly, I have an album called In Search Of coming out later this year um, that I keep saying is 
coming out later this year, but it's definitely coming out. Um, that album is coming out on a label that I run called Neo Detritus, uh, who is releasing a, a fuck ton of things this year. Um, we actually have an album by Vaxers coming in September and an album by Alexander Valentine coming next week. Um, no, a, pl- a plug related to that, Alexander Valentine uh, co-runs a podcast called Flash in the Pan that's about old Flash animations, and I wish I were better friends with them so I could force them to be on my network because they are very, <laughs> they are very in like tune with the same kind of shit we like and yes. their podcast is very good um uh, speaking of podcasts i also have two podcasts on the noise space.xyz um network yeah, right. um uh because i said z on radish the other day and um matt uh swatted no i'm kidding i was gonna say you swatted me <laughs> you are you are in jail you are you are mace arrested you got canceled uh, um I have uh, two podcasts. Uh, I am on a weekly show and tell podcast called Radish. Um, we actually just premiered on the noisepace.xyz network. Um, and we actually recorded an episode yesterday. Uh, it is a long one as well. Um, I am also on a Radiohead podcast called Picking Up Something Good uh, by me and my friend Nikki Flowers. Nikki's never listened to Radiohead. I have too many times. So we run through every single song in their discography chronologically. It is a, we, we did the bends the other day and it is a, I was deliriously sick during the recording of that episode. So it's the chaos energy. Gotta love the chaos energy episodes. They're my favorite kind of episode. It's appropriate uh, for that album as well. Yes, it sure is. We won't leave you <laughs> high and dry. Um, but yeah, that's everything that I do. Uh, listen to my album, uh, follow my label and listen to the two podcasts. I do a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff. Hell yeah. Including occasionally buying me music from... <laughs> From your local record stores and shipping it to me. I yes, I do live in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> um, D- David's also shipping me a record right now because there was a Andrew WK re-release of "I Get Wet" with blood splattered vinyl, which I wanted really bad, but they didn't have Canadian shipping options on their website. Um, so David bought it, and then I found out five minutes later that I could have bought it on Discogs. <laughs> hey, what's that one Andrew WK album that, like, didn't come out in the U.S. that's, like, apparently really creepy? Um, I read that one really long Andrew WK article. I feel like you did, too. I did, and I was basically just waiting the whole article for them to get to the point that Andrew WK just likes fucking with people, which is the thesis of the 33 and a third book, and they did eventually get there. <laughs> <laughs> the conspiracy is that Andrew WK likes fucking with people, just if anyone was wondering. We love we love Andrew WK here. Anyway. So That's podcast. That is a podcast. That's podcast. Uh and as we always say, I had never seen a shooting star before. I'd never seen a shooting star before. I sure the fuck haven't. Bye everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We did not touch on the fact that uh, MPP just sounds like Mapipi.